You're listening to Don's Cast, an unofficial fan podcast about the greatest Australian football team, the Essendon Bombers. My name is Jamie. And I'm Nick. And mate, I don't think even the most optimistic of Bombers supporters will give ourselves much hope against tomorrow's uh, game in, uh, against the Cats. I think it's going to be a really tough game uh, considering the side that's been named. And of course, the key to that, no Joe Danaher and of course, no Andy McGrath due to his injury which will put him out for the rest of the season. Yeah, two big outs, mate. And, uh, yeah, it's sort of funny. Like, the the two they brought in, um, I mean, I'm not sure you could really call them like for like, but, um, look, that's the, the side we've gone with. And I think you're absolutely right, mate. Like, Geelong are a classy outfit. they got um, experience and uh, gun players at every sort of line of the ground. So... It'll be a very tough matchup for us, uh, so let's hope the boys are switched on and uh, can at least put on a bit of a show for the night, because it'll uh, certainly be a tough night if we let them have their way all night. Yeah, well, it's a, just um, you know, trying to pick you up there, but it's an afternoon game, isn't it? Like 3.35 or something tomorrow? Yeah, well, you know, it's close enough. I'll... <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like twilight probably by the time it finishes, but um, yeah, no, but like... It's funny, um, you know, uh, the old games that used to be played at Marvel or, you know, Eddie Had or Telstra Dome or Marvel Stadium now. Um, I notice even the coaches fall for that because during the day games, when they're in their presser, they'll mention uh, this is what happened on the night and it's happened in the middle of the day. <laughs> so um, it's it's funny, you know, when you have those enclosed stadiums or, you know, we're just in such a... Um, such an idea now that all the games are played at night, aren't we? Yeah, or oh, maybe it's just because I'm a bit dark on our chances <laughs> to win, mate. But um, who knows? Well, the cats are, uh, yeah, they're they're looking pretty uh, intimidating, to be honest. And uh, I guess the first question we'll ask before we read out the sides and that, um, Tom Hawkins, he's uh, leading the Coleman Medal. Uh, what do we do? Does Hurley get the job? Uh, does Hooker go back and have a go? Or do they initiate BZT on the best forward in the competition? Yeah, well, I think it'll be a tough ask for Brandon Zerk Thatcher. Uh, not only is he sort of in, uh, in pretty good form uh, at the moment, but he's he's a massive unit. Uh, so I'd you know be tipping Kale Hooker to go back on him. Uh, he's an absolute monster. Certainly, um, you know, you need someone who's uh, big, tall, and tough. Down there, and I think Zerk Thatcher would be uh, sort of outbodied fairly easily, even though he's a pretty big bloke himself. But I think the experience um, of Hawkins would would win out in the end, and uh, and he is a good grab of the footy. Um, so yeah, like I don't think we'll be able to use Hooker as a full forward, but you know, uh, if he's named as he is now at, at the half forward line, uh, I guess I'll live to eat me words, but. Uh, if it was to be a Zerk Thatcher or even Michael Hurley, if I'm quite honest, because like while he's a he's a great reader of the footy, I'm not sure if he's got the strength to go with a, a Hawkins. Um, but yeah, it'll be a, definitely a tough ask. Yeah, it'll be even tougher if uh, Hurley is carrying that shoulder. Um, yeah, like I, I don't think you'd want to be doing that against Tom Hawkins. Um, I guess yeah, we'll put the we won't put the horse in. Well, we will put the horse in front of the car. Let's um, read out the. Uh, selected side that the Bombers are named. Beautiful. So, uh, yeah, Andy McGrath out injured and Joe Danner managed. Uh, probably not a bad option 
you'd think, given it's the uh, third game in 11 days or whatever. Um, so into the side come Jacob Townsend and, and Mason Redmond. Uh, so if I go from the full, full back line, so we've got Marty Gleeson, Michael Hurley, and Brandon Zerk Thatcher. Halfbacks, we've got Matt Guelphie, Jordan Ridley, and Adam Saad. Centres, we've got Kyle Langford, Dyson Heppel, and Zach Merritt. Half forward line of Will Snelling, Cal Hooker, and Irving Mosquito. Full forwards of uh, Jakey Stringer, James Stewart, and Anthony McDonald, Tim Woody. The followers, Sammy Draper, Dylan Shield, and Darcy Parrish. On the bench, we've got Devin Smith, Mason Redman, Dylan Clark, and Jacob Townsend. With the emergencies of Braden Ham, Tom Cutler, Andrew Phillips, and Josh Begley. Yeah, okay. And um, yeah, probably our strength, if there's any, across the game. Uh, Geelong's biggest weakness is renowned to be their ruck. So it might be an opportunity for Draper to uh, have an opportunity to be, you know, more dominant in that area. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll read out the cat side and then we'll talk about some of the matchups. Beauty. So um, out for the cats is uh, Jack Stephen. He's out injured. And in comes Lockie Fogarty. Uh, so Zach Tui's playing his 200th game. Um, so if I go from the fullback line, you, you got um, Jake Collajasny, uh, Lockie Henderson, Harry Taylor, half packs of uh, Jack Henry, Mark Blitzavs, and Tom Stewart, centers of Mitch Duncan, Patrick Dangerfield, and Sam Menegola, half forward line of Luke Dalhouse, Gary Rowan, and Tom Atkins, full forwards Brad Close, Tom Hawkins, and Brian Myers. The followers of Reese Stanley, Cameron Guthrie, and Lockie Fogarty. On the bench, they got Jed Buse, Mark O'Connor, Brennan Parfitt, and Zach Tui. With the emergencies, Cooper Stevens, Josh Jenkins, Jordan Clark, and Zach Guthrie. Yeah, very strong side. Um, Dangerfield, I guess yeah, he can be so dynamic. Uh, we don't have a similar player that would with the same kind of burst of speed or anything like that to play on him. Uh, like, probably the closest player we've got to uh, a danger field is not a tagger, and that's probably Dylan Shield. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure what we do. Will they play him forward, um, considering they probably think this game's uh, pretty safe for them to, uh, you know, not go over the top with finals imminent? Or do they, um, yeah, put him in the midfield and, uh, that will cause us a mountain of worry. Yeah, I think it'll like it'll always be that bit of both. Even though if they do play him predominantly forward, he will spend some time in the middle. Uh, personally, I'd like to see a Kyle Langford uh, sort of go with him. I know he doesn't have that burst speed, but he does have that bigger body and the the height uh, which Dangerfield uh, sort of has well. Um, so you know, if he could run with him and uh, you know. I suppose Blocky's run at the ball. That's what gives him that sort of burst out of the packs if he's allowed to to run through the line of the footy. Um, but otherwise, you know, would we go Dylan Clark? He's a big matchup for you, mate. Um, see how you go sort of clamping down on Dangerfield. Uh, but look, as you say, if he goes down forward there, um, you, know, you can imagine a, a sort of a Ridley or, um, you know, or even a Hurley would sort of match up on him. Uh, but, you know, I guess Geelong's one of those sides. Their midfield bats pretty deep, and they've got um, very solid contributors all over the ground. So, yeah, it certainly be, won't be a, a game where if you're locked in on one, um, you know, it'll, 
it'll help you uh, extremely. Because, uh, I mean, even their solid contributors here, your Mitch Duncans, your Sam Minigolas, um, you know, they keep running all game, um, and they can be uh, pretty good users of the footy. Yeah, they can. And, um, yeah, well, I think Adam Sard would be the perfect matchup. Uh, he probably doesn't have the height of Dangerfield, but he's got that burst of speed if Dangerfield tried to turn the corner in the forward line. Um, Sardi could probably, you know, at least keep him honest. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be really tough. Um, uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty fearful of how our forward line's going to work, uh, especially with no Joe Danaher. Uh, Geelong's just so good down back. Um, you know, you read some of those names out, uh, sorry, names down there, and, you know, most of them, you know, have been All-Australian or would be considered for All-Australian. Uh, so it's going to be very hard to get through the Cats' defence. And, um, you know, let's hope we can see some improvement from Jake Stringer. Uh, hopefully, with another game, he can bring out some special stuff and keep us in the match. Uh, you know, Townsend gets another chance up forward. Uh, Stewart gets the job of being the, the number one forward. Uh, yeah, so it's going to be very hard for us to generate a score uh, getting through that back line and then obviously winning enough opportunities in the midfield considering uh, Andy McGrath's not there either. So, yeah, it's just a incredibly tough game and I'd go as far as saying if we won uh, tomorrow, it would be one of the biggest shock wins I can ever remember. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm just looking at the sides, Jamie, and you look at the even just the size difference, you know... <laughs> When we've got, you know, Zach Merritt, uh, Will Snelling, you know, uh, these guys sort of going into our midfield, our biggest blokes in there are probably Kyle Langford and Dyson Heppel, and even those guys aren't actual big-bodied mids. Uh, and then you look at, you know, their side, like Mitch Duncan, Paddy Damagefield, Sam Menegola, um, even blokes like Gary Rowan, um, you know, they're, they're big units, Um and, yeah, they're not afraid to sort of throw their weight around. So um, it'll be really interesting to see how we go as a midfield unit uh, in getting that ball out because I wouldn't want to see us, you know, sort of get bullied by their um, their bigger bodies in there. Uh, so it's sort of um, yeah, interesting when you look at our matchups and uh, the side we've, we've selected. It's sort of wonder whether a... A Hibbard could have come up for this match, uh, but you know, it obviously wasn't to be. So, um, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how we go. I guess I'm sort of worried about, um, you know, some of it, even their lesser likes. You know, Grian Myers has, has shown he can be um, a pretty dangerous small forward. Uh, he's got that awkward kicking style, but um, you know, he seems to have a pretty good. Uh, knack of getting the footy and, and kicking a couple of goals. So, um, yeah, we're, like, we're going to have to be on the ball all over the ground uh, from start to finish. Yeah. Now, let's have a look at our emergencies, mate. I, was, I wanted to have a look at those. Um, considering, you know, the season's all but gone for us in terms of uh, finals hopes, I'm a bit surprised, uh, you know, maybe Brayden Ham didn't get opportunity to get some games into him before next year and uh you know i know we've only got two games left after this but i would have thought even though playing against the bigger side uh geelong 
Um, he could have learnt plenty playing with the Bombers uh, against the Cats this week. Uh, the other one I wanted to bring up was uh, Begley. Now, he's only had the one opportunity. Now, he was not by far not our worst that day, uh, that he got dropped straight away, which I thought was a bit harsh. Uh, you know, he's out of contract. These are the kind of players that, you know, if I'm, uh, unless I've made a decision on them, uh, I would think I'd be giving him opportunities to see how they go against some really good opposition to see, you know, is it worth persevering or not? And, um, yeah, I'm surprised at this stage that they're not in the side. And, uh, you know, because some of these players, uh, you know, considering, you know, as you said before, three games in 11 days, we really haven't managed that many players. So I would have thought it would have been a perfect opportunity to give some uh, some depth players at least, uh, some games or at least some young players who you think are your future, uh, a little bit more of a run. Uh, just to finish off the season and maybe give them confidence for next year and also, uh, you know, get them ready for next year. Yeah, that's a good call, Jame, especially when you consider that the AFL is looking at, you know, bringing down list sizes going into 2021. So, you know, already the guys um, will be up for real strong competition uh, for spots as it is, uh, obviously with drafts coming every year. Uh, but, yeah, that'll be even more so when... You know, let's say they drop it by, you know, four uh, four people. So we have lists of 38 instead of 42 or, you know, whatever they decide. Um, you know, they're going to have to be some really hard calls made from the football club. But I think you're right. Like, it would be better to be able to make an informed assessment uh, based on, you know, what, what they've been able to uh, sort of show out on the ground. Um, and... I guess it's it's sort of a a tough um, year for a lot of players across the AFL because you know there wasn't even that opportunity to show some form in the VFL because it just wasn't there. So it's um yeah it'll be interesting to see how we go come the end of the year uh, in terms of the the side and uh, you know who stays who goes. Uh, because also the, I guess the other thing to consider is, uh, you know, uh, contracts. That uh, we've got a lot of blokes out of contract at the end of the season, and uh, you know, I guess everyone's sort of waiting on the, the uh, sort of salary cap call by the AFL, so they can decide who gets, who's going to divvy up, uh, you know, what sort of um, money. So um, yeah, I guess. As you say, James, disappointing these guys don't get a shot, especially when we're managing players, um, so they could at least have you know, one last crack at showing whether they're made of the right stuff for AFL level footy uh, before they uh, may have their times called. Yeah, well, we'll wait and see on those calls. I'm very surprised at the moment. Um, I know not a lot of clubs have done a lot of signings, but... Uh, most clubs have done at least one or two. I'm surprised how stagnant we've been. There has been talk about Ridley signing a four-year deal, but it still hasn't been uh, formalised. With so many good players out of contract, and you know, especially uh, McGrath, Saad, Danaher, uh, you know, I'm very surprised at this stage that we're not making a move. Um, and you know, Sometimes clubs like to project hope to their supporters or fans by... Yeah, making these kind of announcements as well. 
uh, we haven't done that. Uh, so I'm really surprised uh, what what the holdup is. You think you'd be able to at least get one of those deals up and going pretty early. Uh, also leads me to question: Is there another reason behind that? Is it because we are uh, you know surveying a big name to come into the club? So that could be another way of looking at it, but. Uh, that could be just wishful thinking, but there's been talk about Jeremy Cameron, mainly more for uh, Geelong and Collingwood, but Essendon were mentioned loosely. Uh, now, he's had a pretty indifferent season, uh, Cameron, so you know, that kind of points to, you know, is he in two minds where he's going, or does he know he's out and he's kind of, you know, can't get involved with the GWS? I'm not sure what it is, but... He certainly seems out of sorts. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of things to consider. Uh, what do you think on that, mate? Do you think uh, we would be assessing Cameron, especially if we think Danaher might opt out? Look, you'd be mad not to ask the question. So, you know, whether it's for a, a Jeremy Cameron or, you know, perhaps we're, we're thinking boldly and actually going after a, uh, you know, a big-bodied mid um, to really help our... Um, midfield there um, you know there's um, been sort of speculation about some players around the grounds um, so you never know whether uh, perhaps an Ollie Wines might be uh, picked out and geez if we had a, a type like that it'd help us no end uh, particularly with a Heppel back and uh, you know you can just imagine if you had Ollie Wines and Dyson Heppel as a sort of bulls to uh, extract the footy and get it out to Shield, who could burst through, or you know Merritt, who wouldn't have to kick under such pressure, even McGrath for that matter, um, it'd be a massive boon for us. So look, whether we're we're looking at uh, Jeremy Cameron or Ollie Wines or you know, someone of that type, um, I guess that's their their aspirational goals, and we'd certainly be silly not to ask a question. Uh, but I guess the fact remains is you know we can we can hunt those players, but you know it's a um, uh, it's a players market out there. Um, if some of our out of contract players receive a deal um, or at least are offered a, a deal, um, you know I guess it puts us in a situation where you know you can't match everything. Uh, so I hope we're being smart with our contract management and going, look, who is it um, in our current playing list who we want to see going forward at the Essendon Football Club? Uh, and who are the players that, while they might be you know, currently in our best 22, are there players that they see as expendable? Um, so, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what we do at the end of this year because that will also... Uh, I guess, show us what our thinking is into are we going to have one last tilt at some uh, at some success or are we going to you know, do a rebuild? So it's, uh, yeah, interesting times ahead, mate. And, uh, yeah, it'll be certainly um, lots to talk about for us Bomber fans, um, you know, even when we are bundled out of the season. Yeah, well, the other player that, you know, must be considering his future is uh, Connor McKenna. Um, Orazio Fantasia is another one. Uh, these players are, um, you know, they've always had a bit of rumours going on behind them. They're both on decent coin, I believe. So 
I can understand the club, you know, until they get concrete answers from a lot of their players, they're not going to know what, what's left in the cookie jar to pass around. But, you know, at the moment, uh, I guess that's all speculation. Well, mate, um, is there anything more about this uh, game that you wanted to preview? Is there, like, anything else that you wanted to mention? No, no, mate. No, I'm all good, unless you have anything. No, nothing much more. Look, you know, I'm sorry if we sound a bit, you know, uh, you know, not optimistic at all, like unoptimistic, I guess. But, um, yeah, I, I just really feel like it's going to be a really tough day at the office tomorrow. Um, as I said, I, I think even in our wildest dreams, I just can't imagine a situation where we come out and win. Uh, I'd love to look back at this podcast and be able to say, wow, you had no faith in the club and they've come out and proved you wrong. Uh, if that was to be the case, be happy to uh, stand up and own that. But, uh, yeah, on the, on the evidence provided to me, um, yeah, I can't see it happening. So, uh, like always, we'll uh, watch every minute of the game, regardless if we get uh, you know, a win or if we lose by 100 points. Uh, you know, it's a bit of um, humble pie, but we'll be there uh, listening, watching and uh yeah, you know, we'll do some learnings from that. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> All right. Um, we'll have a break, mate, and we'll come back with our Remember When segment. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to Don's Cast, and our regular feature of Remember When continues. Mate, which game are you going back to? Mate, I'm going back to round 15 of 2011. How about yourself? Uh, again, I must be showing my age. I'm going back a little bit further. I'm going to 1997 season, round 19 uh, at the MCG. Beautiful. All right, well, I'll get things going, mate. Um, so, look, 2011, you know, that was Herdy's first year as coach of the Bombers uh, and Job's second year as captain. We'd won five out of our first eight games but then slumped to lose our next five games in a row. We'd had a bye thrown in there as well at round 10. So sitting on 10th position, we came up against a very strong DeLong side who had won every game up until that point. So while we needed the win to stay in contention with the eight, we were definitely up against it. And it certainly looked that way as they scored the first three goals of the match with two to Alan Christensen and one to Nathan Vardy. Stevie J had a couple of cracks too, but fortunately, they didn't go through. Young gun Dyson Heppel kicked our first after finding some space and getting some good delivery from Zaharakis. Our second came when Angus Monfries was skirting the boundary looking for an option inside, but when he couldn't find one, he went with a banana, which went straight through the middle. Then, after a kick to the contest at the top of the square from Prismal, Walsh was able to crumb it and goal beautifully, to bring us within one point. We then hit the front when Heppel found Monfries open, who marked and kicked through a goal, and we ended the quarter a goal up, which was pretty impressive after being outclassed early. The Bombers opened the scoring in the second quarter as well, when Stuart Stuart Cramery kicked one from a set shot from just on 50. Down the other end, Michael Pig Hibbard saved a certain goal, which, uh, you know, he punched the ball to stop Stevie J from marking it at 25 metres out, and then he followed up to tackle, and when the ball spilled out, he chased the mop up, and then handball out of defence, 
and after some great efforts, Remus delivered it beautifully to Welsh, who uh, kicked through his second to give the Dons an 18-point lead. The Cats got one back through James Kelly before Zaharakis kicked one through, which was followed shortly uh, when Leroy Jeddah almost stole the ball out of Welsh's hands after going to uh, compete a marking contest, and Jeddah strolled in to kick the goal. Cameron Ling then kicked a goal for the Cats to draw them back within three goals as we went into the half, and while we knew that would come for us, the Bombers went in with a lot of belief. And we started the second half brilliantly, when Travis Collier kicked a left foot mung into the forward line, which was read beautifully by Alwyn Davey, who kicked it through from only 25 metres straight in front. We then snagged another when Paddy Ryder ripped the ball out of the air from a boundary throw-in and snapped it through beautifully. And when Josh Hunt tackled Benny Howlett high, he doubled down and yelled abuse at the umpire to give Howlett a, a shot for goal from the goal square after a 50 metre penalty to have us 33 points up after 10 minutes in the third term. The Cats were a class outfit though, and took it up to us um, with the next four goals through Mitch Duncan, David Wojcinski, Stephen Motlop and Paul Chapman, and we could count ourselves lucky as Mitch Brown missed two shots on goal in that time as well. They were back within a goal before Zaharakis found and hit Monfries in the pocket to kick his third of the match and get an important goal for us which was then followed up when Kyle Reimers kicked one through to help us finish the quarter 17 points up, going into the last break. As we opened the fourth quarter, Cramery got the ball in the middle of the ground and roosted it to the forward line, which allowed speedster and super sub Travis Collier, who looked like he'd gone down earlier in the game with an ankle, uh, to run run onto it and kick the goal. The next two goals went to the Cats, though, through Chapman and Brad Orton's before Tate Pears kicked it beautifully to Cramery in the middle uh, to then hit David Hill in the pocket, who went back to slot the goal to keep us out in front by 16 points. The Cats were still pushing though, but after a couple of missed shots from uh, Podsy Adley and Josh Hunt, Travis Collier got another goal from a classy snap from the pocket and the Bomber fans were up and about with our boys 20 points up. Matty Stokes got one back for the Cats, before Cramery had the ball in a paddock of space in the forward 50 and he used his great running power to waltz in and kick the goal to have us 22 points up and what we thought might have been the sealer. But the Cats had other ideas. Stevie J went nuts and kicked the next two goals which was followed soon after by a goal to Mitch Duncan and it was a four-point ball game. With the Cats pressuring us everywhere, we needed composure and smart use with the footy and we got it when Jetta handballed to Collier, who punched it toward 50, knowing he was hot, and the ball ended up with Cramery, who eventually passed it to Davy, who shrugged underneath Duncan, to then pass to Collier, who handballed to Monfries, who spotted up and handballed a completely open Jakey Malksham in the goal square, who slammed through the goal to the roar of the Bomber faithful. In red time, though, the Cats got another through Stevie J, but it was too late as the Bombers ran the game out, 18 goals 7, 115, to the Cats 16 goals 15, 111. It was a massive win, and one I certainly remember fondly. Yeah, it was a great night, that one. I was there and yeah, enjoyed every minute of it. Um, you know, even when the Cats were coming back at us, it was a bit like this game tomorrow, 
It was one of those games where you didn't give yourself much of a chance to win. Uh, but, you know, you go and you, you're hopeful and, you know, the, the energy we played with that night. And I just remember the bomber crowd, like, I was just so pumped. And, um, you know, I guess we've all seen the YouTube clips, if you look it up, uh, of that last goal to Melksham. You can just feel the uh, crowd and uh, you can know the stadium was rocking after he kicked that goal. And, um, yeah, it was a great Great call, mate. I do remember that game very well. Well, my game's back in 1997. And 1997 was a tough year for the Bombers. Uh, obviously, Gavin Wanganeen left at the year at the end of um, 1996. Uh, and we were bundled out of the prelim against the Swans. Um, and, you know, James Hurd had had some injuries throughout the year, so he wasn't there. So going into round 19, we were second bottom of the ladder. And despite some good young talent coming through, we just couldn't find a way to win games. Despite winning our first three games of that season, uh, we then only won three of the next 15. And, uh, you know, it shows how good the competition was back then. We had six wins and we were second bottom. So uh, we're still with, you know, three rounds to go. So <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, Geelong were a game clear on top of the ladder. So our prospects were not looking good at all. And, uh, yeah, Geelong were heavy favourites. Our prospects uh, looked even worse at quarter time when the scoreboard read Geelong 22 to Essendon's one point. And it looked like we just couldn't find a way to score. And although Geelong hadn't made the most of their opportunities, uh, the amount of ball they had, uh, still you know, 21 points down in the first quarter. But a five-goal one second quarter by the Bombers to Geelong's one-goal five had the Bombers down by only one point at half time. Now, the goals that uh, came from the Bombers that quarter were from uh, young gun Scotty Lucas, speedster Mark Fraser, and a surprising three goals from regular fullback Dustin Fletcher. So, mate, can you remember a time where Dustin Fletcher had kicked three goals in the first half? No, absolutely not, mate. I can remember some great goals over the years, but certainly not three and a half. Yeah. So he he was uh, doing very well, uh, and he was forced to go forward, but he didn't actually stay down there for the rest of the game. He was forced to go back. But, yeah, he kicked three in the first half in that game. Uh, the third quarter, uh, again, would see the Bombers take the game up to the Cats. And it was a young player by the name of Blake Carousella that was exciting Bomber fans. He kicked a goal, gave one off, but his courage was undeniable. And he had an incredibly slight frame, but he went into many hard contests. And he helped the Bombers to a four-point lead at three-quarter time. And he was already racked up 15 possessions in his first season of footy. So he was certainly one to watch. The last quarter began with the Cats kicking the first two goals. And they had an eight-point lead. And it almost seemed the Bombers were going to go down gallantly against the top side in the competition. And, uh, you know, to be honest, uh, most fans could see how much we'd tried. And we, I guess at some stage we might have thought we'd used our, uh, all our petrol cards up, uh, you know, getting to that position. But Blake Garisella, uh just went nuts in that last quarter. And he kicked the next two goals to give the Bombers back a five-point lead. Before the Cats took it down the other end, 
missed an opportunity to bring the score back to four points, and there was only a minute and a half on the clock. So the ball uh, made its way up to the wing, uh, where a ball up was called, and there was still a minute of play at this stage. Peter Somerville grabbed the ball out of the ruck and just threw it on his boot, and it sailed towards our 50-metre line. Blake Carousello, amazingly, was running at full pelt, at full stretch, uh, had no regard for his body, and went back and took a contested mark, uh, running into both Dean Wallace and his opponent. And, mate, if you go back and watch that YouTube clip, uh, don't tell me that's not courage, because that was one of the best uh, uh, you know, displays of that um, in, in any game that I can remember, a bomber of a young player especially, with that body frame. Yeah, it was a massive grab, mate. Like, as you say, like he was so slight of frame, and to go back with a flight and and take it with no regard for his own safety was absolutely huge. Yeah, now he would go back and he would miss the shot, but the Cats had no time to get it down the other end to try and get uh, the win. So the Bombers held on to win. And, mate, that game was the start of us rising up the ladder in later years. And we won three of the last four games in 1997. We still finished third bottom, but it was the great beginning and we can see some great young players coming through in terms of Matty Lloyd, Scotty Lucas, Blake Carousella, Gary Moorcroft, uh, Jason Johnson. All these players were there in getting uh, regular footy uh, near the end of the season and we all know what their careers turned into. So it was a really good uh, period for the Bombers. Uh, after a really tough season, nine, uh, two, uh, sorry, 1997. Um, uh, and just interestingly, I know it's not about the Geelong game, but 1998, mate, I still remember that season. Uh, we just scraped into the eight back then. Um, and back then, eighth played first. And you had to play North Melbourne, and that was the uh, Marshmallow match, uh, which is pretty famous. But... That season, um, 1998, I think we had 10 losses, uh, or maybe 11, including the um, the final. Every one of those losses was less than three goals. So that showed you that that side was becoming stronger. And we all know what happened in 1999. Sorry, um, We probably kicked ourselves out of a grand final, at least. We should have beaten Carlton. And we all know how good 2000 was. And I guess we're still a bit bitter about 2001. So um, it's amazing. Uh, when you look back at 97, it was a shocking year. But it was the beginning of something. Let's hope 2020. It's been a pretty poor year to watch footy. Let's hope it's the beginning of something, mate. That's an optimistic way of looking at it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, but it's, yeah, as you say, like... Looking back at those games and like the guns we had in our side, like young blokes and um, yeah, that were developing. Like I, yeah, I remember um, Scotty Lucas kicking a ripper of a goal. It was just a snap, just chucked her on his left boot and went through beautifully. And yeah, Carousella, what a smart player and bloody courageous uh, for his size. And uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, great, great game and well told, mate. All right, mate, well, why don't we have a break? And uh, when we come back, uh, we'll do our uh, bomber prediction. 
You're listening to Don's Cast, and as we wrap up the show, we always do our match predictions. Mate, we're still going for that elusive, uh, you know, trifecta. <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever get it, but it'll be great to uh, be able to replay it back if uh, we did. Uh, mate, who's going to kick the first goal for the Bombers? Oh, look, I'll, I think I'll go for Jakey Stringer. Like, you know, he's he's been out of sorts since he's uh, come back, but I reckon he's due for due for a couple of goals, and he'd certainly love to kick those. How about yourself, mate? Yeah, well. With the form he was in last week, I'm going to go AMT. Uh, hopefully he can get us up and going early. So I'd love to see uh, Anthony McDonald, Tim Woody get the first goal for the Bombers. Uh, who's going to get the most possession for the Bombers? Uh, no Andy McGrath, so he's usually one that we consider. Uh, who are you going to go with? Yeah, look, I think after last week, um, you know, Dylan Shield, well, he, he got a heap of the footy, but he sort of... Uh, wasted a bit uh, with his disposal. So I reckon he's such a competitor. I reckon he'll be coming out firing for this game and I reckon he's up for a big one, particularly with uh, with McGrath out of the side. Uh, we know that he'll have to uh, lift a, a heavy load in there, so I'm going to back him in. How about yourself, mate? Yeah, I can't look past Zach Merritt. He's been in great form. Uh, he's really moving up into coaches' votes too. He got another three votes um, this uh, past week. And I think he's in the top six of the coaches' votes, or top seven at least. So that's a pretty good effort, considering he got rubbed out at one stage. So um, yeah, he's doing very well, uh, and I can't look past him uh, for most possessions tomorrow. And lastly, mate, who's going to win and by how much? Yeah, look, mate, I uh, have to go with the head on this one. I reckon Geelong's going to get up by about four goals. I think they're they're a very class unit. They um, and actually play with good structures. Um, you know they've got bigger bodies. Uh, they've got a lot of height around the ground as well as some smart users of the ball. Um, so I think you know while we might uh, sort of try valiantly, um, I don't see us uh, getting over the line. But as always, I'd be happy to be wrong. How about yourself, mate? Yeah, again. Uh... They got me last week. I, I went with the heart, but uh, you know, that was, uh, in hindsight, a poor decision. So I'm going to go with the head this time. And you know, I think the Cats by about 37 points. Um, you know, To be honest, with the side that's named, if we get around that mark, I think you know, there's not much more we can expect. I guess what Bomber fans will be looking for is what kind of game plan are we going to go in against one of the best sides in the competition. And uh, is it going to hold up? You know, for lar- large periods of last week against the Eagles, um, who were a very good side, we had more of the footy and we couldn't convert. Uh, we're down on personnel this week. You know, obviously no Danaher and no McGrath. Uh, you know, so I think it's going to be tough, but you would hope that we can uh, show some kind of uh, game plan that, can give us some hope that we can get through and maybe challenge even these top sides. Yeah, bloody oath, mate. Let's let's hope they give it a fair old shake. All right, mate. Well, uh, that'll wrap us up. Uh, we've got the game tomorrow, so um, we'll probably do the review show on Monday. Just uh, wait and see if there's any injuries. And uh, Yeah, well, so uh, thanks for listening, and go Bombers. Go Dons.